There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. We're going to head straight over to London now and we're joined by CNN's John Defterios. John, warm welcome from Dubai. I believe you're still in London. Uh, I am. And uh, we had a huge drought as well. The skies have opened up, Natalie. It's, a, it's been pouring in Wimbledon and I'm uh, leaving tomorrow back to uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai. You do say this to us every week, John, then a story breaks and you have to stay a bit longer. <laughs> we'll believe it when we see it next week. <laughs> As they say, this is your terminology, right? But the, the silly season is usually quiet. Yes, It's indeed. been anything but quiet, as you know, the last six weeks. It's a bit crazy right now, I tell you, the news cycle. And we want to start here, John, because, you know, we normally talk to you about emerging markets, but it's quite important to mark the passing of Senator John McCain. Now, I know you've interviewed him before, and of course, it's, you know, made headlines all over the world. And in fact, the response from all the former presidents just sort of highlights the fact that he has been such a significant player in politics in America. Uh, Indeed. I think it's fascinating that we're focusing uh, primarily kind of in the global media space what he's done the last few years, both as a candidate for president against President Obama, uh, but his very symbolic vote uh, when he really was in horrible shape in terms of his cancer treatments, it came late night to vote in favor of preserving Obamacare uh, against uh, Donald Trump. So this put him on the wrong side of Donald Trump. He's from the state of Arizona, which gets a lot of immigrants, but is a very sensitive issue in Arizona because it's a conservative state in the Southwest uh, and to deal with numerous immigrants. But he didn't think the policy that Trump was going towards, nor building the wall between the Mexican and U.S. border, was a wise idea. So. He's a man of principles. He's a bit short-fused, and I'm not sure if that was because of his time as a uh, POW or prisoner of war, but I have covered him on very close votes on Capitol Hill in my days in Washington. We're looking about 20 years ago. Uh, and if it didn't go his way or he was frazzled at the last minute on a vote or somebody got the better of him in terms of a debate that he didn't agree with, he was not one who kind of softened his words. He would come out firing and he made some very impassioned pleas over the last couple of years about trying to break the deadlock. He was a Republican that would go across uh, the party line and say, can we build a consensus? And as you know now, ever since the Tea Party on the Republican right and players like Bernie Sanders, uh, less conciliatory with the divide and particularly with President Trump, uh, he's been quite frustrated by the fact that he couldn't bring parties together, but he could do on those two big votes that I was talking about. And, um, John, moving elsewhere, uh, Aramco IPO delay. You've been across that and spoken with the CEO's team. What's really happening with that? Well, you know, uh, Emma, there's a division within uh, Saudi Arabia about when to proceed, how fast to proceed, which market to put it on uh, beyond uh, Riyadh and the Tadawa. Uh, There was a debate about whether to go in the New York Stock Exchange or London. And, in fact, when I interviewed uh, Minister Al-Fale in London, uh, during the tour of the Crown Prince, his Royal Highness, uh, to London, uh, he was suggesting that New York would subject him to too much international scrutiny, open them up to uh, potential lawsuits because of both the JASTA legislation and the 9-11 victims, uh, and also environmental lawsuits have been filed in New York. So he was able to park that. Uh, the other idea was that if you're going to go after SABIC, the chemical giant in Saudi Arabia, that'll generate $70 billion of cash, it's not the $100 billion they were hoping to get off selling 5% of Saudi Aramco. But it solves it without you know, generating a crazy hurdles to 
it's a leap over for a state oil company. I also don't think that they're wild internally from the sources I've spoken to about revealing all the reserves. And then there's the royalty payments that go out uh, in the government itself, and you'd have to declare those as a publicly traded company. So it's a very sensitive issue. And I think these things just got backed up. Now, the danger for Saudi Arabia is in the momentum for the Crown Prince and the 2030 plan, uh, they need to be much clearer on when they're going to roll things out and when they plan to deliver. And I don't say that critically, but we were given guidance twice and once in the first half of 2018. The second time it would happen, the second half of 2018, different sources have told me the first quarter of 2019. Now all of those things seem off the table. So if you're trying to get foreign direct investment, was my point on air, and you want to keep capital in the country, you have to be able to prove to everybody, yes, all these plans stay on course and on time, or we manage expectations. Now, They've done incredible things already. The tax code, deregulating the market, starting to privatize, major project announced. Women are driving. They want women in the workforce in a much greater way. Uh, but having said that, some of the other things they declared, and this is the biggest one of them all, didn't happen. So they got quite critical press from whether it was here in London or stretching to New York. It was a global story. We covered it. They were very good at providing us the guidance in terms of the CEO's team. Uh, and the ministry came out with a statement, but they were surprised by that Reuters story because some of the bankers, I think, were frustrated to be candid. They didn't get the mandate renewed for them to continue that work, and instead the focus is on the acquisition of SADC, that 70% stake. So a lot of bankers were not happy, probably the ones that leaked it out uh, to Reuters, and then the story built from there. And John, finally, uh, this story about the U.S. Federal Reserve Chairman, he gave a big speech uh, on Friday in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and um, he's come under a lot of pressure from President Trump. He's also, you know, um, gone in for the Fed, really. But why should we care? You know, we live in Dubai or, or anyone else listening to this from different parts of the world. Why should we care what's going on between President Trump and the chairman of the Federal Reserve? Well, you know, this is this has always been a very sensitive issue. I've covered, you know, three different Fed chairmen, but particularly Alan Greenspan and Paul Volcker before him. And the independence of the central bank is cherished in the United States because it gives you a sense of stability, very much like the Bank of England or the European Central Bank. And I know emerging markets are working to get it that way. So if you have a president saying, I'm not happy about the interest rate rise, and I'd like to influence that through my television appearances, the sense of independence goes away, right, number one. And the next major theme on this, though, Natalie, is that the U.S. is raising interest rates. The dollar is getting stronger, so we're watching to see if they're going to raise interest rates again. That'll put more pressure on, A, the Turkish lira, uh, the Southeast Asian currencies like Malaysia, Indonesia, the peso of Mexico has been under pressure, Argentinian currency under pressure, South African rand under pressure. So as the emerging market currencies come under pressure, the capital leaves the emerging markets. So we watch what he says very carefully. He managed it well, almost ignoring Donald Trump's pressure and said, we're going to do the right thing, but we don't see the inflationary pressures to move uh, more aggressively than we are right now, which means there's probably another interest rate rise and why it was not multiple interest rate increases and why the market rallied. But Donald Trump should stay out of that business, right? Preserve something you built for the last you know, century uh, of independence for the central bank. Let it do its job. It's got a lot of trust and investment depends on it. And, and he has a tendency to lean on his head of the Justice Department and, as you know, the Federal Reserve as well. So he's got to be careful with it. It's gotten a little bit out of control in terms of his leaning on different institutions that need their independence. 
Okay, for now, that's where we'll leave it. John Defterios, hopefully making his way back to the region by next week. We'll catch up with you then, John. (laughs) That's a promise. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.